Panoply, Panorama, Panpipe, Pansy, Aha, Pansexual, Knowing No Boundaries of Sex or Gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Three CR eight five five AM digital three CR dot org dot AU and on demand out of the pan with Sally on a Sunday afternoon. Thanks. First broadcasting, I should say, on a Sunday afternoon at noon, Australian Eastern Summertime. Three CR proudly broadcasts from the lands of the original inhabitants, and we pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. We're broadcasting from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Also pay respects to our queer original inhabitants, including sister girls and brother boys, and acknowledge their special contributions to diversity on and around the land. Well, Nelly had one of the worst starts you could have to a pansexual radio program, um, because uh, I thought for a second I'd lost me dongle. But no, you can tech, um, communicate with this um, um, show that covers pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender by many means, including text. It's ready and up and running on 61456751215. You can email out of the pan 855 at gmail.com. You can tweet at Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line. And you can look for the post and comment in the thread underneath on my page on Facebook and also the one on out of the pan's page. Um, so um, please do that. And, well, continuing that British comedian theme, it is a packed program today. Um, having on the show a, fan, um, a wonderful guest, queer refugee advocate, um, Tina Dixon will be joining me um, very, very soon. Um, so stand by for that. But there's lots of news. And, well, Paul Kelly's album is one of the albums of the year, and that's actually one of my favourite tracks. And I hadn't played it on the show because I was going to save it up for next week on the hope that we had a nice big yes vote and I thought no I've got to play it this week finally something good well we had that happen during the last week on well in my personal overall life quite a few counts but um amazing um of course on the wider scale I think you know just the amazing situation of so many trans candidates winning various offices in the US and then there's a and then it'll be and wait there's more so um as um two comedians said it's good good afternoon from me and it's good afternoon from them but uh, here is the news um no it's not about the um sad story of the tadchester man who failed to keep up the um lease payments on his um on his exorcism and was repossessed oh dear no we've got much better news than that um so many trans candidates andrea jenkins who won in minnesota the home state of jesse the body ventura She's on Minneapolis Council and is the first openly trans woman of colour elected to public office in the US. What a diversity and intersectionality win. And Andrea's tweet um, is, I think, and her comments are sensational. Um, She's said um, that um, as an out African-American trans-identified woman, I know firsthand the feeling of being marginalised, left out and thrown under the bus. 
those days are over. We just don't want a seat at the table. We want to set the table. Oh, there's, there's a new slogan for, um, well, groups who face discrimination in any way or marginalisation. Um, my favourite, which I want to put up in Transgender Victoria's office, is have you busted any binaries today? Anyway, um, but Tran- Andrea tweeted, to all of my trans and gender diverse family, I see you, I hear you, and I will be there for you. We must resist, we must be intersectional. Oh, yes. Excuse me while I um, get very excited because I'm going to. Um, then some of the others, according to this um, article from Human Resource uh, Human Rights Centre, I shouldn't say others, all equally great, Danica Rome from Virginia, who's um, um, now in the state um, legislature, as it's called, um, she unseated anti-LGBTQ, as it's called in America, Delegate Bob Marshall from the Republicans who campaigned on the dreaded trans toilets. That is just mega awesome. Someone, one of my colleagues said, can we gloat about this? I think we need to be celebrating our rainbow socks off on victories like this because, <clears throat> you know, we've had a tough couple of years in the Australian context and in the world context pretty much. And this is just huge. We've also had Jerry Cannon in New Hampshire, who was elected to the Summersworth School Board. Um, Lisa Middleton in t- elected to Palm Springs City Council, which has, um, I think, at least seven LB, um, LB and LGBT people on it, which is amazing. Um, it sounds a bit like, um, I don't know, City of Yarra or City of Port Phillip or something. Um, the first openly trans person elected to a non-judicial office in California, Stephen Kuntz in Georgia on the Doraville City Council. Um, Tyler Titus in Pennsylvania to the, I think it's Erie School Board, but E-R-I-E or Irie. Um, Philip Cunningham, a trans man in Minnesota, which I think is awesome, on Minneapolis City Council. First trans man elected to a city council in the US, and that's important too. I still, as I've said a few times on this show, our trans men are still not visible enough. And Raven Mathern in Connecticut um, into the Stanford Board of Representatives, um, the youngest member in the board's history. So let's look at that. You've got trans women, trans men, youth, people of colour. Oh, my diversity and intersectionality um, part of me is having, a, I don't know, a diverse gasm or something. So loving it. Um, and also the good news, um, travelling further north beyond, um, we'll say, Maine and Washington State, is a little story that came my way in the last 24 hours, and that is that a small town in Quebec, Canada, has elected an openly trans mayor. That's pretty awesome too. Um, This report from Montreal CTV News um, says that um, the mayor of Tressant Redempteur, I hope I got that right, um, is um, 80 kilometres west of Montreal, um, and won by a wide margin over her two rivals, a small town of 920 residents. So um, it's a win. She said um, it focused on common values and not her personal life, and that's that's actually good too. Um, when the day comes when trans isn't an issue, that's a good thing. Maybe that's, this is one of those moments. Um, she said to Radio Canada, her election shows there's a level of social acceptability in small towns that is not necessarily reflected in the media, and I agree with that. And there is, of course, the um, film you can get, The Doctor's Wife, made about a, a gay couple in a small town in, on the Sunshine Coast in Australia, um, which is ginormous as well. So 
Um, very, very exciting news. Celebrate your rainbow socks off, everybody, because this is just the sort of tonic we needed. Now, I suppose the question gets asked, is it, are these people the swallows that make a summer um, to conflict with the old saying? Look, it's at least possible. You know, we've still got a heck of a long way to go, as we know, and we've been sadly, as I say, pushed backwards in most of the last couple of years. But at least, not only is this worth celebrating, I think it at least at a minimum puts a very clear line in the sand. And it seems that most of the broader results, not that it's my area of expertise in the US, um, say, wow. Um, So um, good to see and Melina has um, sent me a couple of emails. Um, I played Sting on last week's show, and um, um, Elliot Sumner, he, Sting's daughter, um, is in a relationship with a woman but rejects gender labels. That's the sort of thing we like to see. You kind of hope that a good dad like Sting would have kids like that, but there you, so I think that's reasonable. Melina's also texted in just now. Um, emailed in, I should say, on out of the pan eight five five at gmail dot com. What are my plans for Wednesday, and will it be a successful outcome? And Scott Ludlam, Scott Ludlam, who sadly had to resign in the citizenship scenario, um, has been replaced by Green's disability candidate here in Australia. Yeah, so there's another little piece of jigsaw, so to speak. Um, I'll come back to Wednesday. I am just for now to answer the main part of the question. Yes, I'm heading down to the state library. I think. The feeling is the tribe's kind of got to be together after this. So we'll certainly do that. So a very big um, sort of um, week coming up, and I'll talk a lot more about that later in the show. So, yeah, a fantastic week. And also got to say that um, last weekend I was at Thrive, the magic of radio the show came to somehow while I was there. How do we do that anyway? Um, seriously, a great weekend of symposiums. Well done to Ray Alfonso for putting it together. At this early stage, plans to make it annual, also possibly to get it to other major cities, also have mini events um, along the way in conjunction with Plan to Thrive run by Holly Hammond. Um, it, it was really personally for me very, I'll say, gently uplifting and energising. It has been a tough couple of years in the community level and also I'll just say personally. And I'd sort of got back to a state of grounded neutrality there were some exercises, in particular an amazing visualisation exercise where you're, where people from this generation are talking to people from a future generation who are studying the history of the time, saying, how did we get into such a mess and how will we get out of it? Um, was absolutely uplifting, a little challenging, but hey, um, it helped, us re- helped me refocus enormously. Um, lots of other great meditations, grounding techniques, a good session also on calling out culture, which is a topic in itself, so... An absolute winner. Um, and I just think it's important. Sometimes we feel like our work can be very isolating when we're doing social justice and environmental justice. Also, the fab um, Emma from Freedom of Species was there. And I think it reminds us that whatever the cause is, we face similar challenges. And so to have that cross-pollination in a safe space, very queer-friendly and um, gender-diverse-friendly, of course, um, just realises, oh, okay, you, we might be have different, we'll say, in inverted commas, technical points, but some of the the process is the same and we can, you know, you know, sort of a problem shared is a problem halved and a joy shared is a joy doubled. It was really important on that regard. So a big win. I felt it was a bit like 3CR with lots of great social justice programs. And there is crossover. Well, the late Trevor Grant ran a program on refugees and we'll sort of be honouring him a bit. Um, Refugee Radio, of course, it's still rocking on 3CR. Um, and, and that show, of course, happens 
at um, 10 o'clock Sunday mornings and in a short while after we have a track that seems totally appropriate um, from um, Tom Petty. And um, um, if I can have not have another technical hitch, oh, one's enough for the day, please. Um, and it seems obvious, um, well, it honours the late Tom Petty and the great music that Tom came up with, but um, also it's a track to introduce our guest Tina Dixon, who'll be talking about refugees. 3CR, 855 AM digital, 3cr.org.au, Out of the Pan with Sally. Eight Days of Solidarity with Refugees is a grassroots campaigning to support long-term detained refugees. Between the 12th and 19th of November, there will be vigils, film nights, a community picnic, a solidarity walk and more. Anyone is welcome to make an event or organise solidarity actions. Look up more info on 8 Days of Solidarity for Refugees.wordpress.com. 8 Days of Solidarity is a 3CR supporter. Sell the cooler children and I am fighting for my life. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to have to flee your own country, spend days or weeks in a leaky boat on dangerous rolling seas, and then arrive in a new country where you are terrorized even more? Well, that's the life confronting millions of people in this world who have no choice but to seek asylum. All these people want is a fair go, but here in Australia, our government, in our name, treats these desperate people with cruelty and inhumanity. Here at 3CR, we aim to give these people a voice, a chance to speak out and let you know that they are just like us, people with hopes and aspirations, people who deserve to be treated as we would expect to be treated if we found ourselves in this position. Refugee Radio is the voice of refugees. 10am every Sunday at 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Because no one needs a worthless human being. My family need a worthwhile human being. 3CR 855 AM digital, 3cr.org.au. Thanks for tuning and on demand. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues. And I think I might have to start saying pan with all intersectionalities, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender or genre. And well, musically, couldn't there really weren't too many choices um, but I did have to go with the late Tom Petty and Refugee and well um, and we of course we had two very relevant messages one of which was interestingly sitting awaiting for me to play it which couldn't have been more serendipitous well earlier up in I was up in in the year I was up in Sydney for an event and the night before went to an amazing event all Melbourne Sydney rivalry side I've got to hand it to Sydney and Maeve Marsden for putting this one on Queer Stories um, which logically, amazingly, is queer people telling parts of their stories, both in terms of their own personal journey, what they do, that sort of stuff. And there were lots of great stories. One that blew me away for a couple of reasons, which I will get to talk about um, if we can, is the story of queer refugee advocate Tina Dixon. And it is my pleasure to welcome Tina to the 3CR Airwaves. Tina, great to have you with me on this Sunday afternoon. Thank you for having me, Sally. Oh, look, a total and utter pleasure. As I said, I was just, I was, you know, taken by, well, your story, but also many other things, which I do, 
if we can, have want to have a chat about. But I suppose in my best community radio type of voice to start with, please tell us as much as you want of the Tina Dixon story um, personally. You know, um, how did you get to sort of where you are? And, and I mean how and where on many levels of the word. Um, yeah, so for the last five years, uh, my partner and I have been calling Australia home after um, having sort of safety here. And um, back there, we um, we were active in um, LGBTIQ human rights space. Um, and then, yes, suddenly we were living here. And for for the first couple of years, um, I guess it was it was hard for us to to talk about our story and anything we experienced for a number of reasons. Um, there was survival, shame, and guilt. Mm-hmm. There was also, I guess, the um, the way you experienced trauma that I personally felt like I was in this um, bubble, separated from the world, um, and like we just we were just all to ourselves. And then. Slowly, I was um, I started getting involved in different things, and I quickly became aware of of the existing gaps um, in both services and advocacy. So, for example, you know the services in the refugee spaces would be very heteronormative, but also um, if you would come out there as a queer person, you could potentially face homophobia um, mm-hmm. from the community, but also you know from staff. And then on the other hand, from queer services. Um, there won't be um, understanding of the connection of sexuality and trauma and the experience of seeking asylum. And then in terms of representation, LGBTQ refugees were really seldomly represented in media or elsewhere. But when they were, um, often the focus will be on men. Um, when, you know, women or people who identify as women were mm. completely absent from the conversation, and um, I would never see myself in their representation because also often the representation would go to label you as a refugee and no one else, so didn't matter who else you were, but also would label you as a vulnerable person without, I guess, paying attention to, to the conditions. So I can't say that I'm a vulnerable person, but I do sometimes experience being vulnerable, but mostly through the settings that I'm placed in, you know, whether that's the public narratives or the services or the government's treatment of you. But, you know, I always thought that I, I was I was strong despite anything that happened. And um, it took time for me, but I think now I realize it as, you know, as never that I really kind of should be raising this and, you know, talking more about this when, when I'm asked to share my story, because I think that's what matters, not what people want to hear and not what people want to hear is, you know, things you've experienced and the violence. And I think that that connects us all. Wow, there is just so much in all that um, to unpack. I mean, um, you know, I think that's probably the first point is that people still, you know, whilst those who live it, I think, are beginning to have a greater grasp of the the concept of intersectionality, that we're multiple Mm. facets to a human being. It's sad that a lot of media and a lot of others don't. I suppose that was one thing that leapt out at me out of this story. It's like, oh, well, you can't can't be both too hard or something, yet, of course, we've got to tackle that. I suppose it leads to a question, do you, if I can ask, do you try to just you know, gently push um, the fact that you are a multifaceted person when doing interviews? Um, Yes, absolutely. So, like, I currently work with um, queer refugee women 
But again, every one of us um, experience our gender identity in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, same as for our sexuality. And of course, same for the experience of seeking asylum. Because that experience do add to your identity. But then, you know, based you know how you came and how you were treated and, you know, which community you ended up, you know, who were your people here you could rely on, you experience those things differently. And I try to unpack that in the work that I do. Because I also think that in, in the advocacy in Australia, we treat people as they're the same. Mm-hmm. We cannot do this. First, gender identity plays a crucial role, and men and women, without any other differences yet, will experience the journey differently. And then we all come from different countries, from different backgrounds. We cannot say that we're a homogenous group that has one need. Like, we're different, and I think it is really, it is really time to explore that and to see how we can allow for that intersectionality, for that fluidity, um, you know, alongside with building a solidarity with people. Yeah, I think you've got some good points there. I might, I'll drill down a bit. There were two points there. You said, you know, what, uh, you know, that we tend to say treat refugees homogeneously. And I'm perhaps just, I'll ask for two things. An example of how re- refugee situations could be different in terms of, say, different countries and different circumstances, just so we can put some um, practicality onto it. But also mm-hmm. I'm still curious about this difference that, um, which you mentioned just in the, you know, two threads of conversation back about the focus seems to be on refugee men and not refugee women. Um, what are the differences um, for, say, some of the some of the groups just so people can get a picture of it? Mm, sure. So um, I'll start in terms of, like, being in a homogenous group. So um, I guess one of the examples that, you know, comes to, um, to my head is, for example, um, medical services so when you, as a woman you would come to to refugee service provider and you know you would just go to to the nurse to assess your health and the first thing that sometimes they ask you to do is a pregnancy test if you're feeling unwell mm-hmm. and so you know for me as a for queer person it's like well we are trying so hard with my partner i'm not sure what works and what doesn't <laughs> so you know like you um mm. as a queer person that is not the thing that you know can accidentally happen to you especially if you're in just in the same sex relationship. So it's kind of that nuanced understanding that people's needs can be different. Same can go for, for example, um, sexual health. When a lot of women that I know, it takes time for you to come out. And you've been living in the countries where you had to suppress the sexuality. And then when you come to services where sexual health conversations are very open and very sex positive, it can be a little bit overwhelming for you because you still need time to accept who you are in here and to really accept that you are safe here and you can actually be who you are. And that very kind of open and not culturally sensitive conversation, you know, it doesn't help. It kind of shuts you down. So you need gradually come to that. And I think that that kind of cultural competency lens sometimes is missing from services that don't normally work with people from FG backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. And then so um, speaking about men and women, we normally... Um, and I think that's a bigger condition of patriarchy, right? Um, no matter what groups we talk, men are always there at the forefront. And, you know, when we're talking about decision-making and, for example, we're talking that, you know, people from refugee backgrounds need to be represented at the decision-making table and people say, yes, that is happening. But when you look, it'll be men there, not women. And I think it is important to to actually 
you know, have that feminist lens, you know, and, and how women are there representing. But also if you would think just in general, for example, talk about education and access to education. In many countries, boys will be prioritized over girls. And so if a family has no money or little money, the boy will be sent to get an education and not a girl. And in many countries, you know, if girls don't have access to sanitary materials, they have to miss schools. And so we need to understand that those journeys impact women differently. Women are more subjected to sexual and gender-based violence. This is not to say men are victims as well, but the majority are still women. And and that when that understanding is missing, we're actually not meeting the needs of the community because as soon as we're taking that gender-blind approach to services or to representation, you know, some people are silenced. And most of the cases, it's women who are silenced. And then when you add sexual into on top of that, it becomes this, you know, pretty much double silencing because then you are not, you know, um, again, this society is very heteronormative, unfortunately. And then as soon as you're queer, you fall out of those conversations completely. I think that there's probably a huge majority of um, trans and gender diverse people nodding their heads in agreements listening to this because, you know, a common issue in services for trans people is someone who I will say who definitely identifies as female can go up to a be in a, a with a new GP and go have you had a had a had, have you had a pap smear lately or for a trans man mm-hmm. have you had a prostate check and so I think there's probably plenty of trans as I say trans and gender diverse and allied people who are empathizing pretty quickly with what you're talking about um there's a there's lots of other there's so much we could talk about. I suppose another one that has just come to mind. I mean, we hear about issues of how Australia and I don't really um, also the I'll say the processes and I almost don't like that word. It just sounds very inhuman. But I'll say it um, for you know queer refugees can be incredibly dehumanising. There's been a lot of stories about that. Um, you know and how stupid some of the questions are. Um, what's your response to that and you know, what would you like what are you trying to do and what would you like to see more of to get that changed for the better? Yeah, so there are a lot of stories in terms of um how when people cases are reviewed, um their sexuality is not taken seriously, um, mm-hmm. or the questions are very insensitive. Um, and I know that several years ago there were a lot of um credibility issues. So for example, if you were in Australia, too much open as a gay person or a queer person, you would go like to pubs and clubs. So they're like, oh, no, that's too much. And probably like you are not a real person and like queer person. And then it will go to the extreme opposite in terms of like people, you know, the department office will tell you that you haven't been enough to gay clubs. So then how can you be a queer person? Yeah. And if we talk about bisexual people, um, there is a complete lack of understanding because they would be yeah. saying, well, but if you're a bisexual person, why can't you change? And so there's not that, it doesn't have the nuanced understanding of sexuality and, you know, it's yeah. not about the choice. Um, I know that that has been um, changing recently. There was some training introduced to the Department of Immigration and I guess now it will depend um, case by case whether, you know, what the two case officer actually um, understands the experiences. Um, you know, that there is no normative and a single experience what it means to be a queer person. And so um, in my work, um, I do set this question, um, what does it mean to be a queer refugee woman? And I know in advance that there won't be a single answer, and I'm happy about that because I think um, we're all different. And even though our experiences are similar in a way, 
you know, through our journeys to Australia and then in Australia, but still every one of us experiences that journey in a very different way. For sure. I wanted to mention the two things that sort of gave me huge light bulb moments when I heard you talk in Sydney, and I'm certainly one of them, actually, for starters. The one that got me, and I suppose I'll say both personally and professionally, was when you said that when you're speaking up on behalf, and I'm trying to get the words as exact as I can um, on minority groups, it's sort of okay if you're a victim, but the moment you get too assertive, people start going, oh, no, can't have that. Um, I couldn't agree with you more, um, but I'd like you just to expand on that um, mm-hmm. in your own words and what and more to the point, how do you overcome the challenges that can become with, oh, well, you're, you're being a bit out of place sort of thing, which, of course, you are not. You're just standing up for what you believe in. So I'd, I'd really like to discuss that. I think that's a huge benefit for advocates of all sorts everywhere. Um, yeah, so um, it is really kind of interesting for me um, in a way how when you're a person from refugee background, so you are constantly pushed to tell your story. So there is a kind of imperative for your testimony that exists, whether you come to services and they will ask you, so what happened to you, even though you just qualified to be their client? Or even, you know, it starts with a question, the person will ask you, where are you from? And so if I tell which country, they will eventually ask me, so why did you come here? And then if I would say that I sort of found here, they'd be like, oh, so what happened to you? And that imperative creates a very particular story that people want to hear. And always it is a story of the violence that happened to you in as many details as possible. And, you know, and then at the end they'll be like, oh, I'm so lucky that I was born in Australia. Or they will just, you know, feel sorry for you. And I feel like that there is no justice component attached to it. So people pretty much have that understanding of you as a very vulnerable person and they want to explore that and to explore that. And so on the other hand, when you... Be like, okay, so yes, that would happen to me. Yes, you know, I could have been traumatized or um, it did add even strength to my myself, to my identity. And now I want to talk about something else. Um, it is a clash. People will be like, well, no, 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 because we expect you to be a particular image of a refugee. So, you know, we want you to be like that. And I think that's why the conflict happens, that... Um, and I don't, I'm not sure whether that's a little bit historical, given the Australian history, but sometimes people take that role of a, of a savior. They want to come and save you and help you. And if, you're, if you um, present yourself as a strong person, and I'm saying present, because no one knows what I'm going through inside, no one knows what, what I'm going through when I'm alone, you know, not in public. They want you to be that kind of victim which they can save. And I think that the advocacy will greatly benefit when we will treat people with dignity and respect. When we will treat them as equals, we would say that, you know, we are all members of this society. We all want to be treated just and in a very fair manner. And then things will change because that will allow us to build solidarity movements. That would allow us, you know, to be together in this fight um, against cruel and inhumane and degrading treatment. Because if we try to say still, you know, they're the other, but we're going to help them, they will not lead us anywhere. Oh, I think there's going to be a quote in that that goes up with the podcast. You're so right that, you know, we want to be treated equally. There's obviously different paths because, as you've also said, everyone is individual and you can't just do a cookie-cutter approach. Um, So true. And when we energize people, just charge, you know, I call it the battery cable approach. We don't help people. We just help people to recharge themselves. Um, That's where we get the best results. So 
absolutely fantastic. And you yeah. did touch on it. You don't say where you came from. And, of course, I can, I suppose trans people can relate to that. We're often asked the question of, have you had surgery? And it's really not the most pertinent point. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of synergy going, um, yeah. across the, the sort of situations we face. And I also think, in terms of the where you're from question, um, I do understand when uh, people were, I guess, forcibly removed from their countries um, because the war broke down and you still love and, you know, you want to go back there. Mm. In our cases, often it is our home that persecuted us, that exiled us, that made everything possible to actually exterminate us. And so do I really feel that that is my home? Do I really love that place? You know, like I feel betrayed by my home. So, and now... Living in Australia, I feel like Australia is the only home that I have. Yep. Uh, and a lot of people just don't understand that just the mention of the country triggers a lot of memories. But also I think that when you would say where you come from, a lot of people would perceive you through the prism of stereotypes they hold about that nation or that country. Mm. And that's not a great point to connect. You know, you can connect to me on like films and arts or books or any other like social justice matters and we will have so many topics to talk about, not like where I come from, I come from that country and then somebody will tell me, oh yeah, I know a person from that country. It's like, well, we have 40 million people I'm supposed to know someone. You know, it sometimes becomes just like ridiculously funny, but yeah. No, totally. You know, we're, <clears throat> we're all individual stories as you say some similarities but often lots of differences and if Mm. you're wanting to do the right thing by the person it's got about being about being in the present moment and what that person needs particular person needs right there and then so true so true we wanted to talk about just one other thing you're doing a great project working with eight women across three states in australia and you want to, to organise a retreat, can you tell us, please tell us a little about that? That um, just yes. sounds absolutely um, very awesome. Yes, so um, I'm. this is the part of my PhD project, um, and my PhD came into being from that realisation about the gap in services and gap of representation. So um, I'm writing a series through my personal story and stories of other refugee women, and I explore lived experiences through trauma and agency. And I currently have eight participants that are located in Victoria, New South Wales, and the Australian Capital Territory. And um, we're having these conversations and regular meetings. And for now, they've been individual, just myself and another woman. And my primary goal with the research is to build a community where women like myself belong, we share our knowledge, our experiences. And um, next year in January, I'm hoping to organize a three-day retreat when we will go to South Coast of New South Wales and have a weekend to ourselves where we can all meet and do activities to build a community, to find that empowerment, to um, assert our agency and to just like know that there is a place where we all can belong. And so um, I've currently received some small funding from um, Gay and Lesbian Foundation of Australia mm-hmm. and Westbrook Foundation. And um, in a day, I'm launching a crowdfunding page on the Tuft called Queer Sisterhood, where I just need a tiny amount of support so I can make this um, retreat you know, as awesome as possible um, for all these women. And so after that, we will you know, proudly say that, yes, I know exactly the place where I belong. Fantastic. Well, um, 
when that, that's launching in the next couple of days, please naturally send a link through and we'll spread it around through social media and the 3CR networks without question. Thank you. Um, Thank you. you know, it just sounds incredible. And, of course, there's other things happening in the future. We'll just say for the moment perhaps people can put a placeholder in their diaries for around 13, 14 February, other things happening. Um, Tina, you're just... I, I know the word inspiration gets bandied around a lot, but I just want to use that in the most genuine sense of the word. It was, as I said, it was amazingly uplifting to hear you speak um, in Sydney and to have you on again has just been absolutely sensational. You're doing amazing work. I'm sure that um, social justice campaigners everywhere are uplifted by it and just keep hang, keep charging on, keep in touch with us and together we can keep things going in the right direction. Thank you so much, Sally. I really appreciate you know the space you give me to, to share those experiences because I sincerely believe that they need to be shared, these women. And I'm sure there are many more in Australia and if there are, please connect to me, um, that they need to be heard because they're incredibly strong and resilient women They and, and their stories are just worth being shared. Yeah, that, that leads to a question. What is the simplest way to connect with you um, in this day and age of yeah. technology? So yeah. you can find me on Facebook, Tina Dixon, and the last name is spelled D-I-X-S-O-N. Um, you can connect to me via LinkedIn, or if you Google my name, there will be my university page coming up. I have my email address, so feel free to connect. If there are any women right now listening to us and want to be part of the project, I'm open to that. Send me a quick email or a text message, and you know we can be in touch. Yep, and you are also on Twitter at Tina, capital T-I-N-A, capital D-I-X-S-O-N. Tina, absolute delight. Thank you for your time on a Sunday and keep up the fantastic um, campaign, um, work and effort and we will get there. Thank you so much, Sally. Thank you for having me today. Bye. Tina Dixon, wow, I'm feeling a bit breathless after that, I do have to say. That was just um, quite enormous. Um, you know, just I feel, you know, that feeling from Sydney's just come back. Um, Melina. Um, has um, emailed in that um, she has put a letter into the Green Guide this week, the Age TV Guide, which the list of letters has one about um, Neil Mitchell and John Fane, and Neil Mitchell has a blue shirt um, in, and John Fane a red shirt, and someone said, is that coincidence? Um, that's the article you need to be looking for. In um, It's at smh.com.au. Molina said, what a sad indictment of the ABC to not invite a question from the Q&A audience about Manus Island to Kevin Rudd. And it seems that the inhumane treatment of people is too much of an inconvenient truth for Australians to discuss. Ignorance is no excuse. It was an insightful show, nevertheless, and Laura Tingle should have her own new show talking politics every week. So, yep, um, spot on, Molina. Great um, work there, Ian, and it's interesting. It's more and more intersectionality um, that could be coming up this week. All right, um, just have a quick bit of music and then come back. And yes, we'll talk about the week that is coming up. Of course, a big week coming and a big, well, ten, um, eight days or so, to be honest, tell you all about that. After we hear, I think there's only one cold chisel track I could play. 3CR, 855 AM digital, 3cr.org.au and on demand out of the pan with Sally.
We jail black males in Australia nationally at a rate five times greater than apartheid South Africa jailed black males in 1993. The suicide and self-harm rates are the highest in the world and the life expectancy gap is the biggest in the first world. You know, Australians don't like hearing the truth about how bad things are, but the more we resolve from it, the longer this is going to continue. Black fella, white fella, it doesn't matter what you colour. Mainstream media is not interested in this stuff. It doesn't find space to talk truthfully and deeply about issues that affect all Australians. The only place predominantly you will find that with any real depth is on community radio, and 3CR has been one of the great leaders in that. So if people are wondering where they should spend their hard-earned cash, I would suggest 3CR is a bloody good place to start. What you name is, we got the hell. Lots of changes, we need more brothers. Hey, this is Pressure MC from the Hilltop Hoods. Hey, what's up? This is Safa from the Hilltop Hoods. You're listening to 3CR, 855 AM on your dial. Support community radio and subscribe now. Three CR eight five five AM digital three CR dot org dot AU and on demand out of the pan with Sally on a Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. And wow, I'm just sort of I love doing this show and it's um you know, sort of moments like that that um remind me of deep, deep, deep of why I do it. Wow. Tina Dixon, what a fabulous guest the podcast will be going up during the afternoon. Um so um yeah, take a deep breath. Well, um, in less than three days, we'll finally know the result of the postal survey as part of things that are coming up this week. The regular events that are happening, the Polyvic Discussion Group on Tuesday night on the um, landmark Wednesday is the Trans Cafe Night for Seahorse and Friday night is Provocation, which has a love theme. Um, so check all of those out. But um, of course, it is now 10 a.m., Australian Eastern Summer Time for the announcement of the um, postal vote result. And it seems the main gathering place in Melbourne will be at the State Library with things then moving on not far away up to Trades Hall um, and also um, drop-in spaces at Drummond Street not far away, but plenty going on. So, um, yeah, a very, very critical week coming up and it's going to be I think emotional regardless of anything so whatever the situation is um, check in with the good people at switchboard around the country um, three till midnight in um, all states and territories which of course gets through to if you're in Perth and uh, or you know if you're in eastern Australia which would be 3am Australian um, um, eastern time and you could get through to still to someone in Perth like up till about 2.30 um, but seriously check in with those also support services at Victorian AIDS Council um, and Drummond Street to good services in Victoria as well, amongst many others. Um, I will be, as I said um, earlier, heading down to um, uh, State Library with recording device in hand and, um, well, um, I don't know, soothing herbal tea or something to keep the emotions down to a minimum. Um, Melina's asked whether I think it will be a successful outcome. Look, um, I've thought about that a lot, and I, we really don't know. I mean, there's been lots of opinion polls, but we know opinion polls can have their flaws. Um, there's been a couple of, 
you know, wonk analysis saying it will be close, um, and I'm not a statistician enough to know about that. Um, but I really just think um, there is this need, it seems, that the tribe needs to be together on Wednesday morning. There's lots of people I know who, well, regardless of whether marriage has been their biggest priority, it seems that every queer that ever there was will be there in outside the state library. Um, so, yeah, um, just please take care of yourselves and each other in every sense of that word on Wednesday. Um, we can hope for a very good yes result. As I say, I really couldn't put a prediction out there. Um, you know, I think that there's been um, a lot of back and forth, but we'll know, as I say, at the time of this first broadcast now in less than three days. Not that I'm counting, but I'm counting. I think we all are a bit. It's just been um, one of those um, situations that we've had to deal with. Um, of course, the other thing that's coming up in eight days' time is Trans Day of Remembrance. And uh, next week on the show, I'll be joined by two fabulous trans people, at least um, confirmed at this point. Um, Sally Conning and Michelle Brooker will be in. Michelle is organising the Transgender Victoria T-Door event, which is in the evening at the wonderful new North Fitzroy Library on St George's Road, um, just opposite a well-known supermarket there, or close, or actually a bit further down, to be honest, um, but close enough. Um, Seven o'clock, and the good peeps at Y Gender uh, also have an event on two o'clock in the afternoon over at 100 Drummond Street. So there's a couple of events of differing sorts there. Um, the trans Y Gender is a um, you know, sort of um, is the um, is a simple gathering, um, more quiet and reflective, um, as the Transgender Victoria event, a multi-faith service. And yours truly had better brush up her MC hat um, to do that. So um, very important um, things coming up. And as I say, Michelle and Sally Tia Conning um, in the studio next week. So please take care in the next few days. The other thing that's coming up, yours truly, will be on a panel discussion on Thursday the 16th from um, at Hares and Hyenas. Um, the Victorian Gay and Lesbian Rights Lobby has its annual general meeting that starts at 6.30, and then there'll be a panel discussion afterwards where to next for marriage equality um, with yours truly, as mentioned, Tony Briffer from Organisation Intersex International Australia, um, Jude, um, Jude Munro, Roe Allen, Dennis Altman and Judy Tang, the latter from the Multicultural Council. So I think there's some diversity and intersectionality in all of that. Um, so um, rock along to that and hopefully I can get my um, keep the batteries charged on the recording device and record what I have to say, which could um, be interesting. So lots happening during the week. As I say, take lots of care of yourself. Um, I tossed up um, with which was the track to go out with today. Um, I think, I suppose, well, I'd already used up my Tom Petty quota, so the waiting um, got eliminated, um, and there was a toss-up. Um, I'll play this one, I think, now next week um, on the hope that it will be needed, and that's Russell Morris's New Dawn. Um, but uh, taking it out today, I'm going to go with Hunters and Collectors. What are you waiting for? Well, we know what we're waiting for. I suppose we are waiting for a good result from the Postal Survey and as I say, only three days to go. Take good care, everybody. And um, once again, thanks to Tina Dixon, um, you know, for her, um, for Tom on the show. 
And um, Melina's just said, I think a great way to finish the show, irrespective of the result, I celebrate my right to live safely and without harassment in a progressive city and is going to a street party. That sounds like a fair thing too. But take it out today with hundreds and collectors from what if, what, What's A Few Men? And what are you waiting for? Well, we know. We'll tell you all about it. Thanks for tuning into the show and we'll tell you all about it next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.